Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire football podcast. M at WWR.com is our website where you can find anything and everything, Matt, about football and some basketball and maybe some randomness. You never know. It's the offseason. Now, we're officially offseason for everything, Matt. Basketball's done. Football's done. It's like baseball. I'm not going to put shade on baseball or other spring sports, but we know what we typically do hoops and football, right? That's true. San Diego State looking pretty strong on the diamond so far, though. They are. You got some good teams out there. Aztecs do good. How you, how's your Bulldogs doing? I haven't kept track of Fresno State. Uh, they've, lo- they've lost like six in a row. Let's, yeah, not, let's not talk about them right apologies. now. Apologies. Did not know. <laughs> Sore subject. Sorry about that. Uh, we're, we're not talking about baseball. we got some football. We're going to continue part two of our conversation. So if you missed last show for the football side, we talked about basically the ceiling, expectations, kind of the mid-ish to long-term, mid-range going forward next couple of years for the Mountain Division. So if you haven't heard that, either continue listening which we'd recommend, or pause and listen to, to the other one, which we'd also recommend because listen to both, right? Why not? Mm, yeah, why not? <laughs> Might as well. It's obviously you've got time here. So got the draft coming up. There's not a ton of news. You brought up something about Hawaii. So uh, Warriors are not uh, – they have some issues to spring football, Matt. Yeah. Uh, as of right now, 81 student-athletes are in quarantine right now because five student-athletes tested for positive – or tested positive for COVID. You know – it's not like they're the only Mountain West team to have been affected by COVID-19 this spring. I believe it was Nevada a few weeks ago that had to delay the start of their spring football period because of a similar, and I believe it was a smaller outbreak. But, I, you know, it's a really good reminder that we're not out of the woods yet. And so I've been saying it on Twitter occasionally, and I'll just mention it here. Just, you know, think like Rocky Long, continue to play good defense. <laughs> Exactly. Play defense. Um, I know some states are lo- loosening the belt, put, taking on the collar. Eh, still be careful if that's the case. If you're able to go somewhere and have fun, you know what to do. Wear a mask. If you ever shot, go get it. So kind of just let's say this, Matt. Just don't pull Texas Rangers. Is that fair to say? No, don't do that. Do do what they did in New Mexico. New Mexico actually had their spring game last weekend, I believe. They had a good crowd. It, yeah, nearly 5,000 fans. 
which I think is I think is kind of telling for how the community at large is sort of feeling or how enthusiastic about the direction in which the program is going. Because, you know, from everything I read, and I believe it was uh, Steve Bergen over there at the Albuquerque Journal who put together the most concise recap. You know, the first team defense showed out. There was a mm-hmm. couple of, you know, new guys that we may want to keep our eye on when we go into you know team previews over the summer. Like uh, linebacker Cody Moon ha- apparently had 10 tackles. Bobby Pretty Cole good. showed out. You know, they got to see some uh, good performances out of their quarterbacks, at least some of them anyway. Because uh, Terry Wilson's not on campus yet, Isaiah Chavez uh, got cleared from an MRI. You know his his arm injury that he's working through right now, I guess, isn't totally serious, which is good for them. But yeah, um, you know, in a situation like that, like if uh, you know if you have the opportunity to do things, I think the most important thing is to just you know keep doing what we have been doing and just you know those center kind of common sense precautions. Definitely. I know here at University of Utah is low in like 6,500. And if you have like a 50,000-seat stadium, I know some baseball player for the Nationals, forget who it was the other day, he was like, why is there only 5,000 people here? He felt, which you probably could fit more than 5,000 in a big baseball stadium, like the upper deck and stuff, but just take, take a baby step. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's okay. Like, if you're able to go, cool, that'd be fun. That'd be awesome to go see. Utah State's having a spring game soon, Hawaii eventually, so... That's good, too. I, I like the point because I know like a buddy Roger Holing was at the spring game who does Lobo stuff. He'll get some stuff up on the game and some other just thoughts about it. He he well, he also has a closer relationship with us to the coaching staff just because being the team chaplain and knowing these guys for years. He's super excited, which he should be as he is. And he says everybody's excited around him to go. So it's good. Like get 5K. It's like it's spring game. Like if you think about it, a typical spring game from unless you're like a really major program getting about 5,000 not out of the ordinary. You know what I mean? It's, it's like kind mm-hmm. of a – it's actually decent. You know what I mean? Like maybe if you're – like you're not going to sell out A-Day in Alabama or the Swamp. Like those teams could put a ton in there. But if you're from a program that's like not just New Mexico level, but a MAC team, a middling team, like a whatever, Hawaii, Utah State team that maybe winning record, if you get five or so thousand, that's awesome. So if you can go to spring games, go do it. But we've had a couple of hiccups here and there. I know Boise had one, San Diego State – you mentioned Nevada. One thing I want to bring up, UNLV. There's two things with UNLV, and they're kind of silly. Okay. Well, one's, one's good news, one's weird. So I, I sent you an article from, was it the Des Moines Register? Is that correct, where it came from? Uh, yeah. So Utah, or not Utah, UNLV plays Iowa State. The, um, I believe it's a makeup game. They pushed it back one year, I believe. Yeah, they were supposed to play last year. And, of course, COVID hit, erased the non-conference schedule. Uh, yeah, and I believe – were they supposed to play this year or were they supposed to go to on the road last year? I don't recall. Um, I think them and Arizona state were supposed to be at Allegiant stadium. Okay. Yeah. So point being Allegiant stadium is an awesome thing. Like one crazy thing. It's a little side story. A guy who I work with and my radio show, she does the morning news show, but he's also like a PA announcer or a ringside announcer. He has a great, those great voices. He's the PA guy for university of Utah football. He was what outside of basically the TV crew, the radio crew for each team, coaching staff, they actually allowed him to be the PA announcer with nobody in the stands. So hmm. kind of like the soft opening they have for all these shows in Vegas. So Legion Stadium, he's like, it's amazing. It's the coolest thing ever. Nobody there I could wander around. It's just amazing. It's awesome. And nobody can go. We've both seen it driving along I-15 there. It's just a gigantic thing right next to the freeway. Yeah. It's literally right there. I'm like, holy crap. So Vegas is hoping to get some – or Rebels, I should say, is hoping to get a little bump from that. So Iowa State – so 
Am I correct? Yeah, Des Moines to Vegas isn't a typical destination, you would think, right, for flying? Especially, not usually, no. Especially nonstop seems a bit odd. Maybe a flight that might be three times a week, and typically two of those are like a Friday and Sunday, or Friday mm-hmm. Saturday. So Legion Air, which obviously is a stadium, right, named right holders, has added a second flight, which means the first flight got booked. <laughs> There's so much demand they made a second flight, which I'm assuming would hold – What's a typical flight holding that? 150? 100 people? Oh, man. Don't ask me that. Okay. <laughs> I'm I so learned... bad at, I'm, I'm really, like, I, I'm good at a lot of things. I'm really bad at, like, spatial reasoning. I do know it's probably, it's weird, but I'd fly from Salt Lake to Houston a bunch. They'd have those 50-seater planes. I'm like, really? I can't stand up in this plane. It's like, come on. It's the worst. I mean, if you assume it's, like, a mid-sized plane with, like, let's say, 30 rows, four seats each row, give or take, you're mid, somewhere between 120, 150, yeah. probably. Sort of saying it's probably about 250 to 350 people going to this game mm-hmm. from Des Moines, which you know they're not going just for the game. Sorry, Rebels fans. It's not to see you guys show up in the football field. It's to go to Vegas, go to a football game, have some fun. So there's a couple of things with this which gives us good reason like things could come back to more normal. Which by September you'd hope it's um it's getting there. We're on the on the path to there. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. But there's a Garth Brooks concert that's supposed to be done in Vegas, and Garth Brooks, I don't care for his music. I know people who are like, oh, he's a great. He's mostly like a huge entertainer. There's times where he will do, like, have you ever been to one of his concerts? I've heard it's like multi-hour concert, like three plus hours. He'll do two shows a night and sell them all out for like four days in a given city. No, I mean, I'm I'm not a I'm not a country person at all. Me neither. I just noticed like I'm like he came a couple years ago to Salt Lake City to. But the, I but I do race. recognize he was big enough at one point to have had an HBO special, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, <laughs> he's still apparently super popular. Like there's a day he came. Like, he had to show, like, six and nine on the same night for three nights and clearly sold out the 20,000 Utah Jazz Arena. Mm-hmm. Like, he is that popular and that entertaining, which is awesome. If you can do it, he has a show right now. I'm looking on the Allegiant Stadium website. July 10th, sold out. I'm not sure what sold out means because we know how that means these days. What does sold out really mean? Um it, Okay. Uh, I don't know if this is accurate or not because it's supposed to be February – Rescheduled for July. This they they actually allowed them to sell sixty five thousand seats, sold out in seventy five minutes. Mm-hmm. So to me, it seems like they're on a full full crowd, full boat come this summer in a couple months. Which means Rebel fans, Iowa State fans, I think ASU's coming to town. It just shows me the popularity because people want to come to the stadium. So I guess that, that was a unique story because it's week three of the season and Rebel. I guarantee what's going to happen. We've all seen if you watch the NFL. Ram, no, char, is it Rams or Chargers who have the crappy crowd? Is it Chargers? Uh, yeah, the Chargers play at the, the stadium in Carson where, the, where the there tends to be a lot of visitors. Yeah. Yeah, so I fully expect Allegiant Stadium with Rebel Games, unless they pump it up and start doing well, it's going to be mostly a road crowd favorite, possibly. More road fans than home fans I could see. So let's not make that happen. So go outnumber the Iowa State fans that come to town. Remember, this is the Iowa State team that three losses are still a top 10 team last year, Matt. Yeah, you can't let them come to your stadium like that. Definitely not. Uh, but the other interesting thing about Vegas, did you have you looked at our DMs from our group chat recently? I have. So there's a weird retweet. It's just you and Elvina is just dancing. Some random dude, I don't even know who this guy is. Do you ever heard of that guy? No, because our buddy Josh is like, that's a weird thing. He's like, he's like, we stick up football, blah, 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 Rebels, because they're just going to dance. It's a little whatever, be a Rebel type deal. 
how does he have 55,000 likes on the tweet? That's just the nature of virality, man. He has only 700 followers. How do we get that? What do we need to do? Do we need to say this team sucks and hopefully somebody picks it up? <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think we're allowed to do that. But you no, know, I just saw that. I'm like, it's the weird. Hey, this is the most club rubble's gotten in a long time on social media. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose if people want to frame it that way, yeah, you got people paying attention. I mean, I think. You know, it's weird. Speak, speaking to the video itself, like, you know, I can, I can see where it's easy to make jokes, especially where the program has been over the last couple of years yeah. and, you know, bottoming out in, you know, like I said, a year zero situation with Marcus Arroyo. But, you know, I, I see him in being in the situ, same situ, kind of situation that we would have said Brent Brennan was in three years ago when you know he took over mm-hmm. for Ron Carragher. It was like a one win team. But you still have to go out there and you have to build a culture. You have to play loose. You have to kind of, you know, take to the, you know, the, the first full spring practice that this team is having. Because let's not forget, they didn't have it last year. And, you know, just have fun with it. Because, yeah, there's a lot of questions to be answered. But, you know, the pressure is sort of off to try to resolve them all right away. It's about just going out there, competing, having fun, and really kind of setting a tone. And, you know, that was the the kind of culture that Brennan ultimately built when, you know, I think the, the maybe the best, most recent example is, you know, the whole climb the mountain mantra that the Spartans had last year. And they've kind of turned that into defending the mountain for, for 2021 and going into 2022 and stuff like that. And so, you know, you see Arroyo and his staff and his players kind of advancing along that same track. And so objectively, I don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, they recognize that, you know, there's obviously a long path that everybody on the team is going to have to travel to get back to respectability. But on, you know, in the first week of spring practice, you know, there's really no sense in, in doing anything other than, you know, you know, not necessarily taking it lightly, but, you know, at least having a little fun with it. Yeah, it's like I've done in college, like we have the not spring, but like your preseason stuff where multiple practices a day. You're tired to doing because the 20 hour week doesn't really apply during before school, technically, I guess, or whatever. We would do like six hours a day, it's supposed to go lift weights a couple days and like on the weekend or something to make it up. So it's have some fun, it's like relax. You don't need to have a drill sergeant back there to be good because not that because how people are today or whatever, but that doesn't always work. But you want to have a environment that's relaxed to a degree where you can have some fun occasionally. It's like, who cares? It's like, this is not real football at the moment. They'll get there. They'll be better. But I guess we're starting with UNLV. We're not going alphabetical order, which is fine. So we the can go, we can go in reverse alphabetical order. How about oh, that? Perfect. You are very awesome. So reverse alphabetical order is, is Drebbles. So are you? You're still going to say this is finally year one for Marcus Arroyo? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the this is the year 2021 where you know they're they're probably not likely to to have. Uh, a path toward a big potential bounce back in the same way that we talked about last week with Utah State. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions everywhere you know, on both sides of the ball for these rebels. Yeah. But, you know, when you take the bigger picture into account, like, you know, they've recruited very well, you know, they've, and so, you know, and some of those young pieces that Royal brought in last year have already come out and paid dividends you know, guys like Kyle Williams and, and you know, keeping guys in the mix like Jacoby Winman from, you know, the Tony Sanchez era. Um, and so I think it's it's more about kind of 
letting the guys who got their feet wet later in the year, you know, guys like, you know, Tiger Shanks, the offensive tackle, or um, Brennan Scott, the linebacker, who was very highly touted in last year's class, you know, giving them an opportunity to have a little more run in this, you know, in, in spring and probably in the fall camp to just, you know, see what they can do, see if they can lock down a starting job. Because I don't know that there's going to be much headway to be made in the win column this year. Yeah, you know, I think I, I put out there the uh, the SP plus projection. I think it was like a week or two ago. May may have been a little longer than that. And I think the the best case scenario for this team is like two wins this year, if you believe SP plus. Yeah. Which is not it, to say that they, that, which is not to say that they couldn't be competitive because you know that was you know even though they were winless last year, you know you and I brought it up you know seemingly every post game mm-hmm. or post wrap up podcast that. Yeah, they were getting blown out, but you could see glimpses like, you know, in the first half of games, they were competitive, you know, with even some of the best teams in the conference. Like, you know, they were competitive with Nevada for a half. They were competitive with San Jose State for a half. And so I think in kind of their first full official year, you want to see more of that. And, you know, even if it's going to be kind of a, a, a long haul project for Arroyo and everybody else there. And, you know, you mentioned a team like Iowa State coming to Vegas. You know, I think I may have mentioned this in the past, like, you know, their their non-conference schedule does have a, a more than a few tough opponents over the next few years. Like, you know, this year they get Arizona State and Iowa State. Next year they get Cal and Notre Dame. The year after that, they go to Michigan and BYU. And so, like, there's going to be a lot of really difficult games to win in September. But I think the goal is, like, building toward bowl eligibility, let's say, by, like, 2023. I think okay. that's kind of the window that they're aiming for. Nope. Because so. I don't Because I don't think Royals under any pressure to win now. I think it's that kind of integral kind of – or not the integral. <laughs> um, I, I, the word escapes me. I apologize. Like you, like step by step progress. So like yeah. rather than getting blown out by like 17 points a game, they could shave it down to like nine or 10 points a game. Maybe they get a little unlucky this year and they lose like you know two or three one score games. You know that's the kind of thing that is an indicator of a better fortune possibly to come. You know in the year after that and then the year after that. And so I think with this team as it's constructed right now. 2023 is the first year where I would t- I would take a look at the roster and say, okay, now you're ready to win. Basically, yeah, I, the, next, I, the next two seasons for me are just all about you know making progress. And if they don't, like if they spin their wheels, you know, especially when they have you know certain key guys coming back like Charles Williams and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like you know a guy like him is going to be really hard to replace. And even though it's, you know, outside of him, they have a very young nucleus that they're going to grow over the next two seasons. Like, I think you still want to be able to capitalize on the one year of eligibility that guys like him have left to, you know, find that one or two wins in 2021 that you weren't able to find last fall, something like that. Yeah. And then, like, you look, look at the scores. I got there. They're, I'm like, well, they, you, you said they're close. I'm like, well, are they? Like, I look at the first half of close to Fresno as well, but. They're getting blown out. Their closest game was Fresno State, 13 points. Yeah. But they're, <clears throat> excuse me. But every other game, they're all blowouts. But you're right. The first half, they were in games. It just happened to be not have enough juice. Um, backups were playing like young guys are playing, where they're just not ready to go because they had no fall camp really to speak of all that much. But so you're right. Like the next step, you're right. Next year, 
okay, let's get a lot of, let's get more fewer, fewer blowouts, like no 45-14s to Wyoming. But maybe if you lose to Wyoming, it's now 38-28, to 28, something closer, and then getting the win. Because their non-conference schedule, while they do a decent job where it's two tough games, two winnable games, they could beat Eastern Washington, I think. They're still a decent FCS program. They go to UTSA. The Roadrunners have always had, oh, they're going to be good. They almost beat this team. They almost beat that they team. They got better last year. So that's going to give me this fall. I know I'm just saying it's easier, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. I, so I'm not calling that a win by any stretch. I'm just saying it's not like they're playing three power fives in Eastern Washington. Because Arizona State, legit chance to win the Pac-12. Iowa State, they're going to be pretty good being contested for Big 12. So those are going to be losses. But like next year, I, or the year after, Idaho State, North Texas, North Texas, reasonably good that's a good challenge for them but then they have like a utep or vanderbilt or like i don't say bad things about army but that's a game where army's typically not a world beater but still a tough opponent mm-hmm. they're scheduling good where they're doing these type of things and that's what they need to do they're not in a, a state where they need to do what utah state did decade ago or what new mexico state does or teams need to do to play like your Fresno State Bulldogs kind of did it with like the Southern California series versus UCLA and USC mm-hmm. playing all those road games just for money. They're not doing that because they can attract reasonably good opponents for a nice stadium. Yeah. And so, or in the nice stadium. So I'm kind of with you. I, the thing is where I'm not sure, like their ceiling, I don't know what it really is in the next couple of years. You would like them to get to a bowl game because they were re- sort of close under Tony Sanchez. Like if not for that Howard loss, he still honestly might be the head coach. Yeah, because they, never, they never took that one last step. Yeah, except one year. It's all field goals. They're going down red zone, kicking a bunch of third, minus 30-yard field goals within that 30. They beat mm. Howard. They go to a bowl game that year. Maybe that changes something, the butterfly effect, where they come out and they, instead of going those four and eight years, or six and six again, I don't know. Um, but I would say this. Here's what they need to do. Like They've been patient with their coaches, but I think maybe a six-year deal is what they want to do because Sanchez got five years. Bobby Hawk, five years. Mike Sanford, five years. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. John Robinson got six years, but he's kind of a big name back then, so that's why he got a bit longer. And he went six and six before in year five, so it's like, oh, let's keep him around. I think they need to be patient with him. And no, definitely. I, th- I definitely think you're right about that. They haven't been trigger happy and cutting people loose early, but maybe give them a six year just to see. But especially what happened last year, like it's a tough deal when you play only six games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'd like to, I kind of agree with you, but I don't. I might honestly be year four for them because the thing of this year too, the West division is really good. And that's true. That's going to be make this year maybe look more difficult than what it is because every team I could see five teams in the West, if it's possible, be bowl eligible. That's true. Hawaii might be my French team, but I don't know. All right. So next, uh, if we're going reverse alphabetical order, I have it by winning the record last year. So it would be San Jose state, the defending champs. Defending champs. So they can repeat. Is that the only answer we need? The only question we need to ask? Are they repeating the champions? <laughs> I mean, it's a little early to, to make that kind of projection, right? So, yeah, it totally is. Uh, but so with this team, like we're going through, like I mentioned, doing the mid next couple years. 
is this a year where it's more like David Fells was around? Or is it going to be a thing they could sustain? Because when David Fells, I started to bring him up because I know there's bad memories there, Matt. But he was drafted by the Bears. They had that double-digit win season. They were ranked. I think they won the WAC that year. It was they, the, the last season in the WAC. It was uh, 2012, I believe. 2012, yeah. And so that year, they got a new coach year after, I believe. Yeah, because George uh, – oh, no. I'm looking ba- – why is basketball pulling up? She's stupid. But uh, I'm – rambling here as i had my page up to go to basketball because you're talking about ron Carriger. yeah yeah yeah, the basketball show last year i'm like wait how do they have 22 games this year (laughs) but that's the thing is i don't know if how how sustainable is this they do have a quarterback coming back they do lose guys like trey walker's up in the nfl you did that right up bailey gates has gone as well is is this a coach where he's that good or just everything works so right for them that they finally put together and it was done this is the thing where the Spartans not necessarily sustained conference championship caliber, but should be a seven win team going forward. That's kind of hard for me to say at the moment. That's something they can do in the next couple of years. I think they have more staying power in 2021 and going forward into 22 than they did in like that, that 2013, 2014 period. Cause you mentioned that they won 11 games in 2012. The very next year they fell off to six and six. And then, you know, after that, they, you know, they fell below 500 a couple for a couple of years mm-hmm. before rebounding to go the bowling. And I think they were five and seven the year they went to the Cure Bowl in 2015. If I'm not and mistaken. they wanted to go to six and seven. <laughs> yeah. And so I think with the pieces that they have coming back, with the track record of development that they have built up over the last few years, I think they're going to hang around and be a contender. And I think that, you know, the, the ceiling for them, given kind of the road in front of them over the next couple of years, yeah, you know, going to USC and then, you know, a couple of weeks later going to Western Michigan are going to be two really tough games. You know, I don't and, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking about Western Michigan and, and digging more into them as we get further into the offseason. Because they've got just as powerful an offense out there in, in Kalamazoo as, as they have had in San Jose over the last couple of years. And so I, you know, I look at their schedule, and I think if things break right, you know, this is a team that, you know, if they have the staying power that they think that I think they do, this is a nine or ten win team potentially over the next couple of years. And I wow. think, you know, it's I think it's easier to forecast kind of that that 80th, 90th percentile outcome for them this year than it would be next year. I will say that because of course next year Starkle is going to move on. You know, some other pieces like Jack Snyder, the offensive tackle, are going to move on. I think Cade Hall might be draft eligible. And if he has a year like he did, you know, He's last, <laughs> last fall, and, and if he does it again in 2021, he might make the jump to the NFL. Like you mentioned, the wide the, their leading wide receivers from the last couple of years are both gone. Derek Deese might be moving on at the tight end. And so, yeah, at some point, they're going to have to replace a lot of pieces that over the last couple of years really came up together. And, you know, if you want to say that, you know, maybe they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt because it wasn't until this past year that the defense made the big leap forward. I think I can understand that argument. I think there's still maybe a little bit of prove it to be involved on that side of the ball. But I think, you know, I think I think the potential is there for them to hang around, if not necessarily be like, you know, the, the front runner for a conference title over the next couple of years to at least be in the mix. 
so like like let's you know if Boise's like a three to one or five to one favorite to win the to, to win the conference like they usually are, you know maybe San Jose State's like you know ten to one or fifteen to one where you know they're the they're the third or fourth team on the betting sheet that you see in Vegas or something like that. Mm-hmm. That is something that I can see for them. We'll see. I I want to see it more than one year. So because here's where you're right. The defense got better. That's kind of was their issue. They were mm-hmm. five wins before. Like their 2020 2020 initial schedule, like they missed Fresno, they missed San Jose or Boise during the year. You have to rematch to beat them. Mm-hmm. But they're I I remember the bowl game. I don't care about because they had no coaches apparently, and all these players were gone. I do think you're on the right path to something because year before five and seven was four win increase from the year before. Mm-hmm. I think their issue is believing that they can do it because you'd hope that after last year, Hey, we won, we did this, we did that. We have good defenders, we have good quarterback. They got Southern Utah winnable. New Mexico state should be a win. They got two wins right there. The West division is a big thing. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they go seven and five this year, just because of the West division is tough. Like if I'm looking at who I'm thinking, yeah, they can beat them as of right now. I'm probably like a hundred percent for sure. Probably only putting you and LV there. Probably most probably they could beat Hawaii. Um, the rest are toss-ups, or I'm not saying they're beating Nevada. You know what I mean? Like the West is tough. Yeah. But, did you did you see the article that the Bill Connolly put out there about the the West division? I think it was like a week and a half ago at this point. I did, but I don't recall. Refresh my memory. I mean, in a, in a nutshell, if you haven't read the article, I would definitely recommend doing it if you're a West division fan. The West is a mess. Like like there's really not a lot of separation between. Pretty much every single team we're going to talk about for the rest of the, for the, rest of yeah. the podcast. Uh, and, and San Jose State is definitely one of them. And so I think, you know, it really comes down to, you know, injury luck, breaks, you know, maybe, you know, the the uh, interdivision schedule. Like this year, for example, um, San Jose State doesn't have to play Boise State and, and Fresno State does. And I believe San Diego yeah. State does. So. You know, it could be those little things that, you know, may not, may not always be on the forefront of our minds that make the difference for them. The fact that, like, the San Jose State gets to, play, gets to, to go to Colorado State instead of having to go to Boise State mm-hmm. and getting Wyoming at home, you know, rather than having to go on the road to Laramie. Things like little things like that could make the difference for them, especially this year before that interdivision matchups. Are they set to go back next year or are they? I forget exactly. The pandemic kind of threw off my calendar. Totally. We had the schedule up at some point, but I don't recall what it is. But I, I think, like, we'll wrap it up with this. They're a team that should be coaches there. We'll see if Brent Brennan stays longer because if he has another year like this, he's gone, which sucks for this program. But they're in, like they're in an area where they should get talent. Like Alonzo Carter is like from that area. Is like he could help bring in a lot of good guys to come be running backs and other positions at the team for a good recruiter. I just think they're based on ge- geography is a big deal where you can recruit everything and they won and they've done it a couple of times. I just think if they give me a year and they go at least seven to five, I will believe they could contend periodically. I mean, but I I'm still hard to say. Years, seven and five would be a disappointment in my opinion. I'm just not there. I can't, I can't commit yet. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And then to, too many and, and to, to your point too, like, you know, going, I pulled up Bill C's Connell while we've been talking, Bill Connolly's, article while we've been talking he lists seven different games as being relative toss-ups for the Fartons <laughs> and and that and that is not an isolated thing for a lot of teams in this division so I'm just gonna throw that out there it will be 
Just don't miss football. That's all we're saying. All right, who's next? San Diego State. Is your ceiling 10 wins conference championship contender? Hmm. See, I don't know. Because, you know, I've had the same questions about the Aztecs over the last couple of years. And it's really those questions that have that have held this team back overall. And this, it really comes down to the offense. Oh, like, what is court. the offense going to do over the last over the next couple of years that is different than what we've seen over the past two years? Because, you know, last year they were what, four and four, three and three. They were four and four, started well, faded, lost to Colorado, lost a couple of games after part of it was Greg Bell's injury. Didn't help and then, them at all. And then what were what were they the year before that? Ten and three. Ten and three? Yeah, so four of the past six years they've won ten plus games. And so that's why I'm thinking where it's right, it's always the was it was it was it twenty eighteen where they had that November collapse? Yeah, seven and six. Yeah, and so like we've we've seen enough of that where I'm like I could I I see what you're saying, but I have my doubts that they're actually going to get there until they actually prove that they can make a step, take a step, any step to get there. Especially since you know you look at their next couple of years, their their non-conference schedule is very manageable, and so like if the defense continues to play at a high level, and yeah, we know that they're getting back a lot of, you know, really talented players up front, but they're also having to replace, you know, three-fifths of their secondary as well. Mm-hmm. And that's something that they haven't had to do to the same degree in years past either. And so, you know, th- there's a lot of pressure on, you know, young guys in the secondary to step up and improve as a, as a unit right away too. And so I could see, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say 10 wins is their ceiling, but I think relative to a team like San Jose State, it seems like it's going to be a lot harder to get there for the Aztecs than it would be for the Spartans, just based off, off of what I've seen over the last couple of years. So you're you're going to put more stock in the Spartans or the Aztecs in the next three years? I'm going to put more stock in the Spartans. Oh, boy. That Big 12 invite ain't coming anytime soon. Which is, which is, <laughs> not, to, which is not to say that I foresee the Aztecs going off of a cliff. But I think, you know, it's the questions on offense that have plagued this team basically year in and year out. Like, I think we mentioned it on a previous podcast, but last season they were bottom 10 offense by SP+. And they're projected to be a bottom 10 offense by SP+, again, in 2021. And until something changes, which I think is going to, a lot of which is going to re- resolve itself one way or another with what they do at quarterback, I can see them being a really frustrating team that leaves you wanting more over the next few years. It's you're being, I, I don't being kind of nitpicky. They've won two outright titles, three since 2012. A third one was co-shit title. I mean, what, been, think about it this way. What, what was the year that they won 11 games, but lost to like South Alabama? Was that like 2016 or something? <laughs> they did that. They won, well, they won 11 games twice, 2011 or 2016, 2015. Um, I don't have – I remember they did lose to South Alabama, but mm-hmm. you're right. There are games like that, but I still think – but they're still – which is weird because they're able to overcome that despite having not great quarterback player – okay, not exceptional quarterback play. They just have guys back to Christian Chapman, guys like – they don't have Ryan Lindley. Chapman's like a guy like, yeah, I won't turn the ball over, but I'll go 7 of 13 for 160 yards and a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So Lucas Johnson, like if he's what he, we saw in that half in Nevada – they're off the charts. So 
I I think we I disagree with what you say. I think they their ceiling kind of is conference contender. I mean, I think more things have to go right for them than for some of the other teams that we've talked about over the last week or so. Maybe, but they've done more right than almost anybody in the league outside of Boise State. That's true. They have the most conference titles outside. I think outside of Boise State, like Fresno State's been to two titles. They have Fresno State's won. They shared one, and no, I guess they have the same because they Fresno's have two outrights and shared in 2012. Aztecs have one, two shared and outright. So they have the exact same titles as Fresno State. Um, Fresno State's been to more title games. They've actually been to two more. And then Boise State has won three outright titles. So I don't know. I, I think that from their track record, they should be contender. That's where I put them at. I'm sort of a wait and see mode. Like, I don't think they're going to fall out of bowl contention or anything like that, but I think they're one of those teams that, you know, could, I mean, I, I hate to lump them in with a team like Wyoming, because, because I think you're right that they've been like in just in terms of wins and losses and an overall product, a better team than the Cowboys over the last few years. But I see them as having sort of somewhat similar potential over the next couple of years. All right, let's get to Nevada then, okay? Okay. This year, I'll say it again. For those who missed Brandon podcast in the past, this team, telling you, this is a New Year's Six team this year. Does not to mean okay. that's the peak, peak they're going to be because, like, they're going forward the next couple of years. I think this year they're going to be good. Like, be going to Cal, come on. Kansas State, easy. They got these games. So what we're worried about is what's going to go down the next couple of years. We're finally at a spot where – they're improving overall as a team. They have Romeo Dubs, who's amazing. They have all these guys this year. Part of what reason I'm optimistic, Toa Tao, remember he came as a true freshman, was doing really well. Mm-hmm. They bring in transfer quarterback. Carson Strong took a minute because they had the jumbled mess of life, or I guess two years ago, who's going to start. He took over, I think, halfway through the season. They're able to build guys and get them good. They have good defenders. Like Norvell, Jay Norvell there is building a great team. It's always with this level, like, well, is he going to go take the Memphis job or Florida State job? Or I mean, all those jobs will pop up. I think they're sealing it because here's the, this is like their second run of pretty good seasons. This isn't with Chris Alt and everything, with Colin Kaepernick being top 10, being in a playoff contender, I mean, BCS contender and upset in Boise State, winning mm-hmm. 13 games. That was an anomaly. But they've they've been doing the past couple of years with Norvell. Even Brian Pullian had a couple um, winning records, I should say. Sorry, apologies. But – Norvell finally had three straight winning seasons. Last year, only two losses. I I would say this next year, I'm really high in them. But I think going forward with what they've been able to build, and historically since like 05, they've only missed three bowl games. So mm-hmm. it's a team that's consistent. And they've had a couple down years, like Joey Norvell's first year wasn't good, but they bounced back. I think this is a team that they, with what Norvell's building, should move into that contender category where they should be a team where – top three in the West at minimum where they haven't really been that. Cause I think last year showed their, how good they are. And a lot of people saw what this team could do. And with all these good talent coming back, like everybody else has, I think this year's going to be a special year for them, but then going forward, they should be at the point. Now they've had enough prove it with Chris Alt, his double stint FCS and FBS and everything. They should be winning like nine plus games a year. Just about, even though I say that they've only done that twice since 2000. I'm going to reframe what you're saying just a little bit. Yes. What happens if, and I'm going to borrow from Hamilton for, for a minute. Oh, man, come on. 
<laughs> what happens if Nevada throws away their shot this year? Because I think you're looking at a distinctly different ceiling in 2022-23 mm-hmm. than you would this year. Because, and, and I get what you're saying about like their ceiling for this year because of the talent that they have coming back, especially on offense. Because you're talking about potentially the best quarterback in the Mountain West. You're talking about a trio of really good receivers. You're talking about a dynamic, powerful pair of running backs. You're talking about you know, a tight end who seems to do nothing but catch fade passes at the end zone. And, and oh, by the way, you've got a potential defensive player of the year on the defensive line as well. And, they might you know, have a group on. of other they, guys. They're going to have, like, I'm not kidding. You mentioned defensive player of the year, possibly Don Peterson. Carson Strong already been the player of the year. They're going to have the best receiver, Romeo Dubs. Toa Tao, if things go right, could be the best running back in the conference. Like, they have their skill position guys. Like, when you look at their best players on the team, they would be the best player in any team in the conference. Mm-hmm. So, okay, continue. I mean, and this was something that Bill C. brought up in his article. You know, looking at it, looking at the schedule by SP+, Plus, though, of the six highest-rated teams on their schedule this year, only one of them comes to Reno, and that's San Jose State. The other five are Cal, Kansas State, and then in conference play they go to Boise, to Fresno, and to San Diego. So I get what you're saying that like they have the potential to be a year six caliber team if everything goes right, but there's I, I would say a greater likelihood that they fall into that you know, morass of, of what we've been talking about for literally every single West team. And, you know, this seems like the kind of year where a West champion is going to come out with like a six and two conference record. I hope not. Way. And so I think it's just a question of which six and two team it is. And, and Nevada could definitely be one of those teams. But there's a chance they could be like seven and five. So let's put it this way. If they... Say they go eight and four or something, something fine but not great. Does that consider for you for them falling off and change what they could do in twenty two and twenty three? Like Jerry Norvell is probably not going to get another job, a better job if they're eight and four. Well, I mean, it, it really depends on who decides to stick around for twenty twenty two in particular, because I think Carson Strong is draft eligible after this year, That's and tough. and Romeo Dubs, uh, Elijah Cooks, who missed last year, will be mm-hmm. back for this year. I think he's also draft eligible after this year. I, I would I believe both running backs are Dom Peterson is Sam Hammond is. So, yeah, I mean, I think you know, after this year, there's potentially going to be a ton for them to replace. And while I, I believe, if I remember correctly, I don't have the figures in front of me that they were, I think, among the top two or three, if not number one, by per- returning production for this fall. They could be near the bottom or at the bottom of the list for that by those same measures a year from now. And while while I think that Jay Norvell has built himself a very solid track record, and while I would say the non-conference schedule does get a little more manageable in the next couple of years as well, like they go to Iowa in 22 and they go to USC in 23, there's a lot of winnable games in those Septembers as well. Like they've got, they get Idaho, they get, you know, home and home with Texas State, they get Incarnate Word, they go to New Mexico State. So, I mean, there's a lot that can be done with that slate and, and, and I think it's just going to, I mean, I don't know. Nevada is a hard team to figure out because I see where you're coming from. And, and I think, you know, I, I talked up San Jose State a few minutes ago. And I think that, you know, the case that you're making, I think, is definitely clearer for a team like Nevada. 
but you know they face that same difficulty of being able to you know having to run the gamut in what looks like a really tough division this year. So you're kind of going back and forth. So what do you think they're typical? I guess it depends on what. They, so your answers. I mean, I think I think, kind of I think well, no, I think you're right that their ceiling is like if everything goes right, this is a team that should be in the conversation for a top 25 spot, if not more. Like this is a team that could be like like Air Force two years ago, even though they aren't remotely the same kind of team on the on the on, on paper. You know, where you know Air Force played with a very dynamic, explosive passing game, a very, very efficient running game, and you know, a very strong and and you know turnover happy defense. And they're gonna they beat think, Cal like forty to ten. They're gonna crush Tim Druder and Justin Wilcox, I'm telling you. They have no chance. Okay. I'm just I, I my ceiling is great. I you're right though that depends on what this year be comes to be. But look at what they've done the past twenty years, like Again, there it is. Like, come on, stop it. <laughs> but I mean, this, the ceiling after this year is a lot harder to determine. That's what I'll say. Okay, that's fair. All right, who's next? Fresno, your Fresno State Bulldogs? Uh, that is no, it's our, actually Hawaii. We don't know our alphabet. Okay, Hawaii. Okay, Hawaii has um, how many new coordinators? How many new coaches this offseason, Matt? <laughs> uh, well, they lost GJ Kin to UCF. Uh, mm-hmm. They did keep Victor Santa Cruz on the on the defensive side of things, so they do have Huge. a new offensive coordinator. Yeah. So they also bring back our favorite, my favorite player in Calvin Turner. Mm-hmm. But when we're looking at, as we, as we've been prefacing all the time, this is like with the next couple of years, I think Todd Graham's at a place where he doesn't need to go to a better job. Cause he's been there and done that. <laughs> he might be fine with like, who doesn't want to live out in Hawaii and have a good team that throws the ball a lot and scores points mm-hmm. and gets attention because you play at uh, 1 a.m. Eastern most, almost every game. Or twelve, whatever it is, after just after midnight when your yeah. game's at two, three a.m. So you always get the extra game. You always get teams that want to come to you. Like this year's a bit different, where they have the, the home and home with New Mexico State, but they have UCLA, Oregon State. Like they have teams like they go to Michigan. They, get, they have Stanford coming to town. They Vanderbilt, BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, UCLA. They got all these teams out there. From what we've seen in Hawaii forever, they should typically be like their lowest should be like bold. Well, eligible. I don't see even with whatever you're thinking about this team or June Jones team or uh, Norm, Norm Charles the Dark Ages. We don't talk about too much, but Nick Rolovich and stuff. That should basically be their ceiling because for the past five years they've been to a bowl game. Outside of the Norm, if you take away the Norm Chaliers, which is kind of weird, that's four seasons they didn't make a bowl game. Outside of that, there was only four other years, I believe. One, two, yeah, four of the years they didn't make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. So. This team should be winning six or seven games every year. I know they get the extra game to help them, but you also got to win that extra game. You got to get to seven wins. They've had multiple double digit seasons. They've been to the Sugar Bowl, whatever you want to say about that year in 07. I I just say low end should be bowl eligible team. High end, they've been to the conference championship game. I think that's shooting above what they do. So I think like like their ceiling typically, like if we're looking how good they, if they're having a really good year probably second in the division occasionally compete for the conference title because they, there's talent there in Hawaii. People want to go to Hawaii to play because why not? And I think Graham's a guy who's going to want to stick around, been to ASU, been to Pitt. Um, where's he at? Rice, uh, Tulsa, all sorts of big time programs overall, like power leagues and Hawaii's a good place to get it going. I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. So that's where I think it's a spot where he can get it going, but it sure could be tough by losing all the coaches too. 
Yeah, I mean, and to your point about kind of the floor being bowl eligibility, like you, you mentioned some of the tougher games on their schedule, but I would say on paper over the next three years, their non-conference schedules are very friendly. Yeah, going to UCLA doesn't scare anybody. Going to Oregon State, nothing. Maybe you're at Vanderbilt, going to Michigan, not going to be easy, but not like a game we're going to see they're going to lose no matter what. Cause I, I love that they're doing a home-and-home with New Mexico State this fall. 2-0, baby, right there. <laughs> it happens, man. COVID last year, New Mexico State's independent. so. But I think you're right. The schedule sets them up to maybe not overachieve, but just to rack up wins. Yeah, and I think a lot's going to depend on kind of, you know, I think we talked about it more accessibly with a team like UNLV, which is very clearly in kind of a rebuilding mode, which is not to say that Hawaii is in the same kind of position, but they're they're reloading or, or still trying to shore up some of their biggest hindrances that, you know, have been in place even before, you know, Todd Graham and, and Santa Cruz and everybody else on that staff. So, like, you know, one of the big disparities in last year's teams were that, you know, the secondary got a lot better. They got a lot better at defending against the pass. But there were some times where that did not matter because they still could not stop the run at all. And so, you know, when I think about a team like Hawaii and their potential ceiling, it's going to depend a lot on how they can, you know, shore up those weaknesses. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if if there are teams like, you know, there are still teams in their own division that are likely to be more pass happy than not. Like, you know, San Jose State's probably going to be pass first. Fresno State, you know, will probably be balanced, but might still be pass first uh, based off of what we saw from, you know, Jake Hanner and company last year. Yeah. Um, you know, San Diego State obviously is going to be a run first team. And I think that game last year between those two teams, the Aztecs and the Warriors, is kind of the example of what I'm talking about because I believe that was a game where Greg Bell was healthy and he basically just ran all yes. of them. Yes. And the game, the game was essentially over by like halftime. Yeah. Like it was, it was like 21 nothing, but they just had no capacity to come back. Which is weird because that Nevada game, Victor De Cruz, like De La Cruz, changed everything and basically upset Nevada to be like, okay, you're not throwing downfield, we'll give you every. Eight yard pass you want in the day. We're not going to let Dubs go downfield and beat us. Well, and and Nevada was still able to run against them. They just couldn't close drives. Yeah, I guess so. Still give some credit to that defense making those adjustments. And so, so what, Hawaii and and I feel like I say this every single year. I'm probably going to say this again when we do the team preview. They're, <laughs> like they're they're sort of a wild card because like yeah. they're, they're they're not bottoming out by any stretch. Like they 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 may not be going through quite as big of a youth movement as a team like UNLV, um, and they aren't in quite the win now mode that a team like like Nevada might be. But you know they're they're building and and they have established pieces on both sides of the ball. So like you know Calvin Turner, I believe this is his last year of eligibility. They still have Siobhan Cordero with a couple of years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if they can shore up the passing game, because that fell off a cliff last year, too, yeah. in a lot of respects. Like, they, they didn't have a lot of explosiveness, which is sort of strange to say when you talk about Hawaii and offense. But, you know, I think they're, you know, they should be competitive. And I think if they steal a division title in the next three years, I would not be surprised. I think that's sort of their ceiling. Well, it's being, it being a headache for everybody else involved. Yeah, well, they went to the conference title game. For Boise State, I would say their their ceiling's almost like Nevada, just because schedule does play out nice. What they've done before, what the offense is, kind of guys they can get. So that's where I'm at. Where they should compete maybe once every, twice a decade for the conference title, bowl game every year, 
that's where I think they're kind of at even next couple of years because they've been building too eight six ten and five five and four a little off. But I th- you're right. I think if the offense can get a little more like, explosive, which yeah, like I, I don't think they're they're in you know they have more questions than some of the more immediate contenders that come to mind. Yeah, they do. But I would also say that for the next couple of years, they're a lot closer to those immediate contenders than they are to a team like a UNLV or a New Mexico. So I would expect them to continue to be in the mix and, and like I said, just you know, be the wild card that they've always been, uh, if, <laughs> you know, if only a little different on their face. Okay. All right. So who's up next? Is it finally Fresno State? That's Is that Fresno where we're State. At? All right. You start off. What's your Bulldogs doing? I know this year should be pretty good. Uh, yeah, I've said it before. I will probably say it again. I'm buying all the Fresno State stock for this year. And Ronnie Rivers as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you know we talked about it with Nevada and and how they've got the talented quarterback, they've got the trio of receivers, they've got the you know the tight end, and they've got the running back and stuff like that. Um, I think with the exception of the tight end, it's pretty safe to say Fresno State has all those things as well. I think for this year. Like, the, you know, their path to being a New Year's Day contender is probably a lot harder, if only because, you know, Nevada doesn't have a, an Oregon type team on their schedule this year. Yeah, that makes it tough. But I think, you know, on the short list of, of like top tier conference contenders, I would put Fresno State very, you know, near the top of the list for 2021. And, you know, I think, you know, pretty much everybody else on the offense, save for Rivers, is set to come back for, for 2022. I don't think a guy like Hainer is draft eligible. I could be wrong about that. I don't have the roster in front of me. But I think there there is potential to have staying power as a conference contender over the next few years. I think their big question is just, you know, how well can they continue to develop on defense? Because, you know, they had a really strong pass rush last year, which was not something you could have said in the last couple of years. Um, but they they gave up a lot of big plays as well, and so that's something that, that's something that they need to shore up. And they you know they they also need to kind of keep things up on the recruiting end of things as well, because you know a team like UNLV, which we talked about earlier, yeah. recruiting a lot better. You know Boise State's always going to be right there at the top of the conference. You know San Diego State always oh, recruits really well. So like you know if Kellen DeBoer and company can continue doing that, you know continue kind of keeping players home. Because that's something that was really emphasized under Tedford, has continued to be emphasized under DeBoer, and that has really started to pay dividends. Um, I, I think look no further than a guy like Jalen Cropper, who was recruited basically from the backyard in uh, Sanger, I believe. Um, you know, there's there's a path there. Like I, I don't know if they're you know, near day, New Year's Day contenders over the next three years, but it would not shock me. If you know they pulled a couple upsets in non-conference play over the next couple of years and, and managed a 10-win season or two, it's the thing where Fresno State's always like it's like everybody rushes this. It's always Fresno State, but it never is Fresno State until they beat Boy until they won a couple years ago. Because I remember back in early 2000s, Derek Carr, Dave or David Carr, Derek Carr, those type of guys. Mm-hmm. It's like it's always they're going to be Boise State. They get blown out by Boise State. It's always that thing. They're coming to town. They're coming to the Valley. It's, it's, it's our year. And then they kind of fall over on themselves and don't get it done. I want to say they're past, which they are because they won a conference title and nearly won two. So they're not that team anymore. But I can see the sentiment from especially Boise fans for years. It's like, well, we got them. Who cares? They're not doing anything. But I think this year is almost like a Nevada type year 
just because of who's coming back, of how good they can be. And that's what's, what's going to make this West Division must-watch football all year. I would like, like to remind Boise State fans that Fresno State is 2-2 two and two against them since 2017. Okay, I know. I'm just putting it out there, but it's just past 20 years, I'm just saying. Yeah. But you're right. Recently, they held their own perfectly fine. They won the conference. Those back-to-back games, they won the conference title. And, so the, two games that, and the two games that Boise won were one-score losses. Mm-hmm. They're close. I'm, I, I know. I'm just thinking, when you think of a casual fan, like, hey, we've always got – we always beat Fresno. It's like, oh, we always beat them. You're really two and four. Like you're really like this case two and two or three and three or something where it could easily be four and zero oh for either side. You know what I mean? It mm-hmm. could be that close or zero oh and four, unfortunately. So I just put out there big picture wise since we're talking a couple of years. I think the board's the guy because I again how long he'll be here I don't know, but he runs a good offense. He has players coming back. This show will be exciting going forward. I I hate to say every team could be a contender in the West Division because I got the leading that but way. It's true though. <laughs> I, I for the next couple of years, I don't know. I, if I'm going to I mean, say, I think for for the next couple of years, I would say that Fresno State's in much better shape than a team like Nevada because you know Nevada's got a boatload of guys who could be draft eligible, and if a lot of those guys move on, then they're starting over in a lot of respects, like we mentioned earlier. Sure. And, and Fresno State doesn't have that problem to the same capacity. I don't think that's really going to come into play until maybe 2023. So I think that their competitive window looks a little bit different than a team like the Wolfpack. I think right now they're sort of like I see their path to contention or their competitive window as being somewhat similar to San Jose State's. Like they don't have the same questions to answer over the next couple of years, but I see them as being sort of on even footing, which is perhaps fitting because those teams on the field have been on even footing over the last couple of years as well. Okay, I would say for Fresno this year, contender, but going forward – I think they have gone over the hump because the board is an offensive-minded coach, and he's done really good things. Like even when he's Indiana for the other, they helped them do quite well. And you could tell even this past year with Indiana playing even better as part of what a part of his doing there when he was their OC. And under he can, he's part of the reason they played well versus Boise State. And three and three doesn't show much, but we saw what Ronnie Rivers did. We saw what quarterbacks can do. We've seen what receivers can do. Young guys too. I want to put I want to put them where. Like maybe not 2017, 2018 every year, but I think I think from what they've done, even historically, like Tim Bruder had 11 win year, a nine win year. They've had multiple eight win, seven win seasons. The 10 win season's kind of rare, but I think it's kind of coming back. So they've had three the past decade, and mm-hmm. so they're reasonably there. But they also have had, well, they had three 10 double digit win seasons. They've had four losing seasons as well. Yeah, you got to kind of lower that elevator where it's closer where. Oh, we might be eight five, or we're ten and two. We're not going one and eleven to ten and four. That huge turnaround under Tedford's first year. No, not quite. And so I'm thinking they should contend this year with like if I'm looking this year contenders. I know it's gonna be tough, but honestly, if I'm saying who's gonna win the West Division right now, it's for me. It's like Nevada, Fresno are my top two. San Diego State, we'll see because QB issues, but I think Fresno's on the upswing. It should be more often or not, which they've done anyways. Like I mentioned, all have had all these bad years, but when they're good, they're in the conference championship game and winning. Mm-hmm. And so I think they should be probably contender every couple of years and be in the mix pretty much every year. Maybe, no, maybe have like right. maybe two down years a decade, which you can't always be Boy State and win eight game, nine games a year forever, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Fresno State fan and you don't win at least one conference title in the next three years, that could be seen as a disappointment. Totally agree. 
All right, anything else to add here? We've gone through every team, right? I didn't miss a team, did I? You did not. Good, okay, because I remember one time we listed team doing something we felt so bad a couple years ago, <laughs> doing <laughs> something like this. All right, so that's it for the show. This will be out, um, I think, what we're going forward, maybe some draft-type stuff. We might get our buddy Justin Michael on, who's done stuff. I'm trying to get Matt Brown on to just some different nerdy-type, behind-the-scenes NIL stuff that he's been working on. Um, so we'll see how that goes, but we'll see you guys next time. MWR.com. We're going to be banging out draft content this month, so if you want to find out who... Player X is in your team if they're draft eligible. We got it. If you're a random NFL team fan that found us, hey, you're in luck, right? If you found us, I don't know how, but thank you for listening, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. If you stumbled across us that way. So we'll be back uh, next, just next time. Just watch your feed, and we'll have some more shows for you. And so until then, we'll see you uh, whenever you want to listen to us, which it should be, Matt, every time it hits your feed, hit the play button. <laughs>